every time you know Slick Sonic would do like an event so the after party Anderson Packer was like hey man let me DJ and they kind of just built a rapport and you know next thing I know it is like hey bro I'm going to Coachella with Anderson Pack We're like what cool man like cool and like just it's just been amazing to see that just the rapport they built and just what they're doing like they're, they're they were at Coachella yesterday welcome to scratching the record this podcast features interviews with inspiring guests who are rewriting the rules of a creative career. I'm your host, Camille Cannon, a TEDx speaker, writer, former radio host, and now creator of this here podcast. I know there's a lot of pressure to have your life all figured out. And let me just say, nobody really does. And that's okay. As our guests show, the path to a meaningful life and career isn't always linear. Like a needle on the record, you can scratch out your own groove. Today's guest is Morgan Gould. Morgan's career in nightlife and entertainment includes his current role as marketing director for Mac Agency, the group that brings Usher, DJ Pee Wee, aka Anderson Pack, and more to some of the best parties on the Las Vegas Strip. Morgan is also an accomplished DJ himself, performing under the moniker Technicolor, a nod to his filmmaking background. Morgan has been a tour manager and more for Jabberwockies, written scripts and treatments for pop stars' music videos, and we are so happy to have him on the podcast. Morgan will talk us through his philosophy of lifelong learning, the importance of humility and asking for help when you need it, and how you can pull together transferable skills from any work experience to help show yourself and others what you're capable of. You can follow Morgan online at DJ Technicolor and Technicolor underscore LV. Morgan, welcome. Ah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yes, so excited to talk to you. I feel like you've been you've done so many exciting things that I want to get to talk to you about. So we'll just get into it. And to start, can you tell me a bit about how you got to where you are today? So music has always been kind of a thread with just my career path. So I started out honestly doing food and beverage in Las Vegas. That's what we all kind of do when we're going through college. There's just so many amazing restaurants out here and opportunities. So that's kind of how I started just, you know, just being in the workforce then. I've always loved music, so I thought I need to start DJing. So I went and bought some techniques off of Craigslist in like 2008 or something like that. Bought some vinyl in my hipster days. I was like, I'm DJing all vinyl. I'm about to be best vinyl DJ ever. And all these other DJs around Serato, like, what is this kid doing? So I was just doing my little vinyl thing, just always loving music. Then I was going to film school at the time. So I was like, I need to think of a DJ name. I'm like, Technicolor sounds cool because like, you know, techniques, you're adding yeah. color to it because you're a hipster kid. Then you're like, then I'm like, okay. And I love film. So this film also plays a big part into who I am just coming from my grandfather who was in the film industry. So music and film has always kind of worked like in threads throughout my career. And luckily now I get to kind of use both at Mac Agency with music and filmmaking and writing. So it's kind of all came together. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's been so cool to see like how you've combined your skills and just kind of created these um, these projects and opportunities. And I'm curious to go back, like, I guess even a little bit, 
like music, when did you start getting interested in it? And like, how were you first kind of experiencing music in your life? So always uh, through my brother, like my half brother and my dad, they were kind of music heads. Like my, I remember my dad would have like, it was like Fleetwood Mac records and um, what else did he have? He had this Kenny G records. I remember he had all <laughs> these records. Like, okay, this is cool. I'll check it out. Then my brother was like, check out Ice Cube. I remember my first time getting CDs was uh, Columbia House. Back in the day, like they had these, these, these little stamps you put on to get like 10 free CDs. So I remember I did oh. that. I was like, I'm getting Dr. Dre's The Chronic, I'm getting Snoop Dogg, <laughs> I'm getting Mariah Carey, then kind of, you know, got into music that way. And I was just a hip hop head for a while when I was younger. Then um, I think like 97 or 98, I started getting more into like the underground or conscious hip hop. So like, you know, just kind of following that. Oh, this is The Roots. This is Most Death. This is De La Soul. Like, oh, okay. Just kind of learning that way. Then... From hip hop, I went straight into like indie rock in like 2006. So I was like mm. indie rock, indie electro, you know, like all of that, all like LCD sound system, all those indie bands that were just killing it at the time. And just throughout my life, I've kind of had different musical phases and it really affects my writing. Like when I'm trying to write something, I'll put, I'll make a playlist mm. to what I'm writing about. So, like, if I want to be in a certain mood for like a script I'm working on, or a certain mood for like a project, I'll put on a playlist to kind of get me into that, those feelings, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally does. I have that for my writing as well. And I, for me, it's Coldplay. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. When I'm on deadline for something, that's it. Um, you're, yeah. The sci- you're a scientist. You know, you're putting that scientist hat on, you know, like Coldplay. <laughs> it has to be like pseudo serious music for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And um, so you're, you've kind of got this eclectic taste in music. You're really immersing yourself in these different genres. And then you were, you mentioned how there came a point where you decided that you wanted to DJ. So take us back to that thought process of how that got started. Yeah, I just remember going out um, in Vegas back in the day. There was this place called The Red Room. It was like a... a indie little vibe and Mike attack who was like a pretty prominent local dj yeah. out here he had a night there i remember like, oh this guy's dope like i kind of like this musical vibe i was like man i need to i need to get into djing more you know like i think it's about time i need to get out of the food and beverage game get into djing then at that time i started hanging out with more of like the local break dancers from mutual friends so you know i was like i'm doing vinyl doing some breaks and just kind of working with dancers through djing kind of helped me find more of the musicality and just how the rhythm really affects people in certain parts of a song mm-hmm. or the certain lyrics kind of evokes a certain vibe because dancers are so expressive to music and they they're such music heads with like the lyrics like I used to love playing break beats and just I can't wait for a dancer to react to this word or this phrase or this silence like when they react to a silence it was always really cool too so that kind of got me into the musicality of how music kind of makes people move. Yeah, that's so cool to have that perspective on it. So you would DJ like the showcases and like performances that um, like the breakdancers were doing. Yeah, um, my friend Ronnie had a, a dance studio. He still has it. It's called District Arts now. It's called District. So it, mm-hmm. it was on Tropicana and Pecos. They, they would throw these these jams like the Full Force Crew and the Knucklehead Zoo Crew. 
and uh i would dj some of them and it was just it was just cool just interacting with the culture and and you know providing the soundtrack to like awesome dance battles because my music directly affected their performance if i play a certain song right. in a certain style and it affects their performance so if it's dope they love it but if something happens and it sounds weird they look at you like bro you just ruined my set <laughs> so right yeah so that was, that was always fun it was always good times yeah, no, I'm thinking about that, how like even just kind of approaching, you know, a, a DJ set and, you know, you you're motivated to you want to motivate the the folks to to dance. But then if you're responsible for like a break dancers performance, that sounds like another like another level of of that relationship, I think, between the music and, and the movement. Yeah, because there's stakes, too. So it's for credibility. They want to win. They right. want they want that they want that championship belt or that trophy or that prize money. So I kind of am a participant in the battle where like I'm I'm setting the environment, but you know, it has to be a great environment because if the song's whack, they're not gonna have the energy. They're gonna be like, bro, like why'd you play the wackest breakbeat when I'm trying to win? <laughs> you know, so that yeah. that's always it. That, that was fun. It's just a great learning experience, is that 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 dance, so to speak, between the DJ and the dancer and how we kind of you know, fed off each other. Yeah. So was that like kind of the first environment where you were like DJing in public? What, like, how did that think, kind of fit into? Yeah. I think every first DJ's first local gig was at Beauty Bar. That was like <laughs> the spot. So I remember I got booked. I don't know. I think I met a mutual friend or something and I got booked to do the backyard. I think this was like 09 or 08. Mm-hmm. And I was like super nervous. And like I played my vinyl, my indie stuff, and it was cool. Then, um, and I kind of collided with my friend Brock. Brock G, he's a a, a DJ out here. He has a, a party called Body Work. It's really cool. Um, so we collided, and we just kind of like worked with each other. And I kind of learned from him on some certain things. And it's just you know working with people that have been doing it or have a different take than you was always great. Just to be a student and not be too you know, proud to to learn from people who have been doing things. And like, that's one thing I've really put into who I am is just no matter how old you are or how experienced you think you are in certain things, it's it's okay to be terrible at something and be a student and learn to get better. Cause it's just, you know, you don't need to have the ego when going into everything. It's okay to like not be good and ask for help because it's going to make you better later. Yeah, no, definitely. You have to be open to like receive lessons receive feedback in order to improve but that's a journey to get there like I you know it is when you're when you're creating something and you're and you know when I was younger I you know you, you your first thing is to be defensive about your work or just you know taking criticism really affects your being so it's like it was a long journey for me to kind of learn the hard way like oh I you know criticism's great because it helps me become become better and have a better product you know so it's just it just took a long journey to take the ego out of things and just really learn to sit down with my my projects, my passions, and be okay with not being the best and be okay with not comparing myself to others and just continually working at my own pace and I'm on my own journey. And it's just it's just like a burden's been lifted. So I don't have to compete with anybody or because when you become a competitor, mm-hmm. in some ways you become a hater where you know like mm-hmm. if somebody's better than you, you look for ways to tear down their work or or overly criticize their work because it hurts that they're better than you. And it's just as a DJ, you know, and as a filmmaker, I, I saw that I was in that, like that kind of mindset when I was younger. And I was like, 
this is so counterproductive. This is so unhelpful and it's not who I want to be. So like I like went read books like Ego is the Enemy and all these other books. And it just kind of clicked where it's just like, bro, just do your thing and it's going to be all good. And, you know, you want other people to succeed. I want to root for people now. I want if I see a DJ killing it or a videographer killing it, I'll tell them like, yo, you're killing it. That's dope. I'm happy for you because it makes people want to root for you, too, because. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's like you want people to do well and succeed and it's just providing that energy. And, you know, sometimes people give it back to me. Sometimes they don't. It's all good. I'd rather just, you know, be as positive and as uplifting as I can for people creating because I know how it is as somebody who tries to create and and build things as well. Right. You have to have like it, it feels vulnerable, I think, to like share something with other people. And then, of course, that like defensiveness or competitiveness like is natural to kick in because you're like sharing this this thing that you you know that you birthed into the world (laughs) yeah then at the same time it's just um kind of separating yourself from your work like I can you know make a video that isn't good but I can realize that hey I'm still a good person as weird as that sounds like it makes me feel better knowing that like if somebody criticizes my work it's just the work. It's not me as a human or it's not right. me, you know? So I think I've kind of learned how to separate that stuff. Cause I used to care so much just about everything that I did to the point where it wasn't productive anymore. So it's just like, you know, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. And something isn't as good. If I don't, you know, if my, if my DJ set is kind of whack or my video is kind of whatever, it's not where I want it to be. It's all good. You know, I can take the criticism and just realize like, Hey, that's just a part of, who you are it's not your whole being so it's nice to separate work from who I am as a person it's just yeah it's just very uh relieving to not have that hold that stress in yeah yeah and and as you're kind of describing this mindset and how it was a shift for you can you talk more about like what kick-started this for you like where did you get started on like making this kind of change into how you view yourself in relation to your work and I, I think just you know like working at Jabberwockies for, for so long and just working with so many like top-notch dancers and creators it kind of spawned from that just you know seeing all these people at the top of their game and just seeing how how dope they are and not you know not let me be like oh I gotta I gotta be at that level or if I'm not at that level I suck or whatever because like these these are top-notch professionals so I kind of learned just from working with Jabberwockies and watching kind of how they how they do things, then the big shift probably was that was already on its way. Then when COVID hit, it kind of just like gave me a hard reset that I needed. Like, mm. you know, because life was just, you know, everybody's just working, doing their thing, time's going by. But that I needed that kind of that hard reset of COVID to reflect on a lot of stuff because we're too busy to reflect a lot of the time because we're mm-hmm. just trying to finish, finish our projects, you know, move on to the next show, like do this, do this, do this life happens. So then like when that reset happened, it caused me to really sit with myself, sit with just my, with what I really want to do. And that was a big shift because I went from, you know, live entertainment. That's, that was the first thing to go when COVID hit. It's like, boom, right. there's no more live entertainment. Like, like everybody's, um, you know, stream of revenue from live entertainment was gone so it's just like and I was I was I was needing a reset and 
that's kind of what really spawned like reading books like the last few years was helpful but like the, the hard reset of COVID was like the one yeah yeah what was that experience and and journey like for you like going from that sort of overnight like you know everything I was working on is not happening anymore and where did where, where did you take your next step after that yeah so just even thinking about it now like a big shift actually happened when I got this contract work from the state of California during COVID so I was, you know, everybody was on unemployment, you know, I was working on, I was finishing my online MBA. So that's one thing I was doing during COVID. Then my girlfriend's cousin is a nurse and she was like, I work for uh, this organization called CalMAT. We're, we're doing a lot of stuff for um, COVID in the state of California. And I'm like, all right, like, I want to, you know, go out there and make money for my family because I'm not DJing. I'm not doing this. I, I don't, I was collecting unemployment, but you know, I just, I wanted to do something. So I'm like, mm -hmm. all right. I applied and they were like, it's on my resume and I have no medical experience at all, but I have like logistics experience through tour mm -hmm. management. So they were like, we want to bring you on as a senior emergency services coordinator for contract for during COVID. So this is at the height of COVID in like November, December, 2020. So this is like wow. the holiday spike. So I was like, I was like, all right, bet. So I, <laughs> drove, to, I drove to Sacramento and from Las Vegas. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. So I drove to Sacramento. Then uh, we pretty much worked in this giant warehouse of all the PPE, all the medical hospital equipment, all the tents. So I started working with this team called the LAT team, where we would go deploy um, all the giant medical, like the like thirty six by forty foot tents that you see, like the military have with those big tents. We would go build those at um hospitals at at prisons we would we would mm. build those so they can be like kind of like these portable not portable because they're like they're pretty big they're like these like off-site um medical structures that you know they can kind of like don and doff or people can you know we can separate covid from the other other population of people so it doesn't spread so we were building those and like it was hard work and it was just like and then i was a senior so i was leading these people on these like crazy road trips of like building these giant medical tents that take like hours to build. And we're all learning to build them because we never built them before. So it was cool because these were really passionate medical people. And I've always been in entertainment or food and mm -hmm. beverage. So working with these people, like really changed my outlook and like, it helped me become a better people leader of just like, you know, instead of getting frustrated with things, I lead by example, because there's no time to get frustrated. It was COVID. So like, right. I really became a better leader and like worked with a great team. And like, it was fulfilling. Like I was, like, you could see like your structure that you built, like, oh, I worked 14 hours today and we built six tents. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, and, and it's directly affecting people during COVID. Like during the whole um, situation with the border, we were at El Centro, when a lot of the uh, immigrants were coming over, we mm. had to build like 18 medical tents and the governor was going to show up and all this stuff. It was, it was pretty insane, but it, it was cool. Like, I, I'm really glad I got to, you know, do something that mattered when people, you know, needed help. And I've never been a part of something like that. I've always been, oh, let me entertain you or let me work on something that entertains you, but I actually help people this time. So it was fulfilling for sure. Wow. Yeah, what a like experience and a different kind of work. And as you're 
describing this, I was actually thinking back to like the breakdancing and like you mentioned, you know, like the stakes and then the stakes in this situation with COVID and, you know, the type of work you were doing. Yeah, it's more like the unknown because there's a lot of like, like the medical per- personnel were really the heroes. Like I wasn't doing a lot with patients. I was doing a lot of support with logistics. So those people were the ones that were really like high stakes with patients. Like I was just working long hours. You know, there were some situations just being around a lot of people during a, a time of COVID was pretty scary because we just didn't mm-hmm. know what it was yet. We didn't really know. We had no vaccine yet, but it was it was just, it was great to be around a lot of really passionate people that wanted to help. It just kind of rubbed off on me in a, in a very profound, positive way. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you end up sort of transitioning, um, like from that work to, you know, where did you go next? So also during COVID, um, I was working with, uh, my good friend Clifton, he was doing a startup company out in San Diego called Oso Digital. And we've always worked together on projects. Like in 2015, he was producing music for Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas. Mm. And he's like, oh, I got this song. This is dope. I want to do a music video. Hey, Morgan, you went to film school. You write. Let's do a music video. So we had this great idea. We worked on it. And we did this music video called Transmit uh, for Taboo. Uh, mm-hmm. Clifton and uh, his partner, Armando, produced it. I wrote it with Taboo. And uh, our friends Gavin and Nico directed it. It was like a cool video. We had the Kinjas in it who were amazing dancers. And it was just a cool video. And like from then on, we've kind of like always like bounced ideas off each other. He'd like, hey, Morgan, I got this lead. I got this idea. And we'd always talk. We do it. We do it every day. I talked to him for like two hours yesterday. Like we're always wow. like bringing each other into projects and like bouncing ideas off each other. We're like always just like talking uh, iron sharpens iron is what we say like just you know mm. figuring figuring out you know how to better help position each other so we have some cool projects that we're working on and we're just continuing to build and so I was doing digital marketing with him marketing ideas copywriting things like that then when I came back from the Calumat experience I brought that skill set with the digital marketing to Mac agency um, because I've known Omar, who's the COO of Mac Agency, through Tao. He was the Tao music director, so okay. I, I would DJ. I would DJ at Tao, and he always kind of respected how I did business because of my experience with Jabberwocky. Because you know I'm a DJ, but I still have like real world experience at a corporate level. So he always respected that. We've always just kind of kept in touch. Then Eddie, who's uh, the Mac and Mac Agency, he. Um, he was DJing in Alibi for a long time. And my girlfriend, Rosalind, she was a server there. And mm. and and so that kind of worked out. And she's like, oh, hey, Eddie, my boyfriend DJs. And Omar's hit me up. So I started DJing with Mac Agency before COVID. Okay. And when COVID hit, you know, and everything shut down, they kind of recalibrated. Then after I came back from CalMat, I was DJing with them. I was like, hey, we're, Mac Agency's growing. Omar's like, hey, man, we're growing. I'd love to bring you on to help with, like, marketing. And from there, I was like, all right, I need to go pick up my camera again. I need to, you know, so I was like, so I went to film school like in 2007 initially. Yeah. And I finished I finished my degree in 2015. So it took me forever because, you know, working and working full time. And, you know, so I finally finished my degree in 2015. So I'm like, all right, I'm picking up a camera. I'm buying my A7S III. I'm just going to go back into it. And I was yeah. making videos. And I was like, eh, eh, these are all right. I remember... 
I took pictures of Zoneal at uh, this event. Like, hey, Zoneal, I got a new camera, bro. Let me take some pictures <laughs> of you. But I took some pictures. And I'm like, I suck. These are horrible. What the heck? You suck. He's like, hey, how those pictures come out, bro? I'm like, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I went on YouTube. I was like, man, you step up my picture game. So I went on YouTube, learned a lot, uh, worked with photographers in town that have really helped uh, pick me on events and kind of show me some stuff. Then I, I got back into video. My first few videos were like, eh, eh, not, not the best. Then I kind of got back into like, okay, here's how to work with new technology. When I was doing film back in the day, mm. we were on like DV tapes. Yeah. So it was like, so I had to get reacclimated. So now I'm like, I feel like I'm really catching my stride. There's a lot I need to get better at with photo, with video, with everything, because it goes really, really deep. But I'm really enjoying the content creation with such like crazy talented artists that are at my disposal as well. Yeah. So how are you balancing the sort of need or drive to learn and get better with the actual like work output that you're responsible for? Like, how are you managing these tasks? Yeah, so... Luckily, like I get to shoot events all the time. So like the last like few years, I've shot so many events that it's just like, if I would shoot something, I make a mistake. Okay, I know why I did that. On to the next. Or mm. why why does this look like this? YouTube. I was like, hey, yeah, because your white balance is off, fool. That's why it doesn't look good. Like, <laughs> okay, now, now I know. All right, let me fix my white balance. So it's just learning by just figuring out where, where like where my issues are or what I need to improve upon. And just just diving into that, like making my weakness my strength. So like now, like I feel really confident in my photo video capabilities. Like there are a lot of people out there that are way more talented than me at photo and video. But like, I feel like I have such a unique skill set with being able to know how to DJ, mm -hmm. understand how DJs work. I understand how to write. I understand marketing and marketing strategy. So I can kind of like almost like take all of these different skills that I've learned and apply them to film like all these different skills that I've like kind of been passionate about have helped each other like for example like like being a DJ helped me be a better marketer because like when you're you're DJing you're pretty much auditioning songs for people you're like hey I'm gonna play this song I'm gonna see if it works I'm gonna see if my song that is gonna make you dance I'm gonna try mm -hmm. to have this song make you dance so it's like marketing it's the same way like I'm gonna see if this strategy makes you buy the product so it's like by kind of looking at people and saying, hey, I think you'll like this, or I think you're going to, you know, be into this, or I think, you know, this represents, this song represents kind of your vibe. I take that kind of like ability to, to, you know, look at people and, okay, and apply it to marketing. And like, okay, I can kind of like measure them up. Like, All right, this, this will work for you. And it kind of helps, kind of helps me, um, you know, with like the brand identity of like Mac agency or the brand identity of companies that I'm working with. And, and that, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm following like kind of that um, understanding your audience and getting to know them and making adjustments, right? Like when you're DJing, you might make adjustments, you know, on the fly pretty quickly if you're not seeing, um, you know, a response that, that you're hoping for. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's just knowing your audience. See, that's, that's a great way to put it and kind of, servicing your audience with what you think they'll like but at the same time with DJing the hard part is in Vegas being authentically true to yourself so like mm. like so if 
So, you know, as a DJ, like certain songs, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to play this song. I hate the song, but it's going to work, <laughs> you know, and that's just something, you know, in DJing, but, you know, marketing, like, I think what's really cool is like working with a company like Mac Agency. We know who we are. We don't have to um, do anything that isn't us. So we have a very authentic brand culture and it's been great to cultivate that with like the events we're doing, the artists we're working with and not having to quote unquote sell out to do something we don't we don't feel passionate about or, or don't really like. That's how Anderson Pack got you know on with Mac Agency because Eddie was DJing vinyl in the vinyl room during the Silk Sonic after party. He brought his own booth, like, I'm gonna DJ vinyl, this is gonna be dope. Anderson Pack comes in, he's like, Hey man, let me get on real quick, you know? Then <laughs> they just kind of vibe down on records. Uh-huh. And he like and every time you know Silk Sonic would do like an event at the um Dolby Theater at Park MGM for the after party, Anderson Pack were like, Hey man, let me DJ. And they kind of just built a rapport. And, you know, next thing I know, it is like, hey, bro, I'm going to Coachella with Anderson Pack. We're like, what? <laughs> this is like last year. We're like, what? It's like, yeah, bro. See, all right, cool, man. Like, cool. And like, just, it's just been amazing to see that, just the rapport they built. Yeah, it's just, it's just dope because Anderson's actually a really good DJ. He's clean on vinyl. He's clean. He can cut. And like, the, the guy is just like an amazing showman. If you're working with Bruno Mars, and Bruno Mars is one right. of the top performers in the world. Like Anderson Pack is like he's that he's that dude. Like I was, you know, very impressed. And he's, you know, he's a nice guy, which is even better. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. No, that's so cool. I love hearing like kind of the behind the scenes of how this relationship came together. Yeah, everything's just like pr- proximity based. If you just do good work and you surround yourself with good people and you continue to work, things will click. It's just, you know, just, you never know what's going to happen. You just got to continue on that journey. It's like proximity is so important in business and in arts Just being around people that are like-minded that are doing things. And it's just like, it's such a synergy that comes from it. And it's just, it's all, things are kind of aligning now in like my world with like my friend Clifton in San Diego, Mac agency, like my uh, improving skill set at certain things. It's like all kind of like, overlapping and it's it's dope so i just gotta i just gotta keep going and keep getting better at stuff i'm kind of hearing this theme of like of growth and being open to learning and like even as you were describing earlier the parallels between djing and marketing i'm hearing how you're incorporating that kind of in your your free time or in your life with um, you know, I know myself, I know what works, I adjust here and there. Like, I just think that's a cool uh, strength that you have that you're like applying in these different aspects and, and skill sets. Yeah. And just kind of come, this is kind of the first time I'm really kind of thinking about like all of this in the, in the grand scheme of things, talking to you, which I'm really appreciative and thankful for. Like, um, where was I going with this? That collaboration, you know, like being in film or being in anything creative or anything business-wise it's all about collaboration and I've learned to become a much better collaborator like when I would work with local photographers they'd they'd hire me on certain stuff they know I'm not as good as other people but they're like you don't have an ego about it you don't Mm -hmm. think you know it all you just come in and you do your job and you want to learn I think that's so important just coming in without an ego without an attitude and without being defensive because the, the people that are defensive or come in with the ego or the ones that are insecure about their talent. Like I know where I'm at. I know I need to improve. So I don't got a front to you. 
I just went, hey, here's where I'm at. I'd love to learn this. How can I help you? You know, you're helping me by bringing me on this shoot or bringing me to this wedding. Like I shot a wedding for the first time. That was very mm -hmm. like insightful and interesting. And I learned a lot. But like if you're too defensive to be vulnerable enough with somebody to admit you don't know something or to admit that you're not particularly good at certain things, like you're not going to get anywhere. It's so important to just know where you're at and be okay and be secure enough in yourself to ask for help and ask for knowledge from people because people are so helpful if you have the right mindset. People want to see you win. They want to build with you. But you got you to gotta be a willing participant and you got to have the right mindset to really, you know, collaborate with people that are better than you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing all that because I feel like that's really um important wisdom for anyone who, I mean, for myself, um, but also like anyone just right. kind of navigating like little pivots or change, like it's yeah. okay to, to start at the bottom and learn. I want to thank you again for taking the time to have this conversation and just share so much insight that, I mean, I, I want to, I think, pause to like, just credit you for like your approach and the way that you've um, like gone about your career to learn and to you know provide value to others and um yeah i just really admire that about you and and your your journey so i want to thank you for for sharing kind of the lessons that you've learned along the way and i really appreciate that i you know i think it's awesome you know with you and your path too you know going from a journalist djing yourself you know finishing your masters starting a podcast like i think it's great that you apply your 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 creative talents and just you're very interested in a lot of different things and you're you're applying them to projects that you're passionate about so i'm happy for you and i'm excited to see what you do with this podcast <laughs> thank you morgan that does it for this episode of scratching the record be sure to follow us here on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review you can also find us on instagram at scratching the record Tell us what you liked and share this episode with a friend. Thanks again to Morgan for being our guest. And thank you to Matt Large and Epidemic Sound for our theme music. Until next time, this has been Scratching the Record.